You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 424. I am Tim Robertson. I am David Code. How are you, David? Uh, up and down. Up and up down. Up and down. I had some, had some work <coughs> challenges this week, but um, I've got vacation coming up in a couple of weeks, going to Florida, so I'm looking forward to that. Florida. Nice. Yeah, yeah going to go and visit my mum. She winters over here, and... As you know, because it's yours, it's yours uh, birthday as well as this year as mine, the fiftieth, five zero. So uh, it's also my mother's seventieth. So uh, now, we are going to have a joint family celebration. Well, when is your birthday? April. April. So I've got you by a few yeah. months. Mine was, um, what, what is it now? Two weeks ago? A week two ago? Weeks ago? Two yeah. weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weirdly enough, some people are saying, "Hey, Tim, you know, on Facebook, well, fifty is the new 40. No, it's not. It is not the new forty. Yeah, because I, I so just just from the the wear and tear on the body thing, my body does not feel like it did when it was forty. No, and when it was forty, it didn't feel like it did when I was thirty. Oh God, no, <laughs> no, and I don't even remember the twenties. So yeah, you know, with this show started when we were forty. Yeah, and now we're both. Well, I am, and you're almost fifty. So, hey, welcome to a decade of tech fan. <laughs> Get, getting gracefully grumpy old and older together. A little, little bit. Um, you know what else? And here's how. Th- this is kind of funny. A big topic this week, guys. We're going to talk about pretty much the whole show, I think. But we'll get to some other topics. But the big focus is going to be on the iPad. Because uh, Apple uh, made the announcement in, I believe it was January 27th, 2010. A decade ago. Uh, and then in April of that year, uh, they came out with the iPad. Yeah, and which, uh, go ahead. I got because I, I got one for my fortieth birthday. My family bought me mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and I bought one as well. And I got the it, immediately. I, I bought one, uh, and I knew I was going to get one. Um, the funny thing is, this show is ten years old now, or technically will be later in the year, but it's twenty twenty. So. It's 10 yeah. years. <laughs> Excuse me. I was actually doing OWC radio at the time. And I I devoted a whole 40-minute show to the iPad of my first impressions. And I haven't listened to it back. I don't know if I will or not. I was thinking about listening to it um, prior to recording this show so I can kind of refresh my memory a little bit of my thoughts originally on the iPad. But I, th- I, I'm pretty sure I remember most of them. Um, but that was, you know... 10 years ago and it, it doesn't seem like it yeah well that's that's one of the things about getting older is the uh you know as the, as the years go by they all tend to blur together a little bit um but you know actually if you look at the original ipad versus where it is now you realize it's changed quite a lot in that period it, a lot it's had got had better it got worse yeah. and stayed the same is that fair yeah i think so but it has had a relatively aggressive development, because particularly if you compare to what's happened in the what's happened to the Mac in the same period. Yeah, I would um, say the aggressiveness isn't necessarily the iPad. I think it's iOS and mobile computing. Because if you look at the iPhone in 2010 and the iPhone now, it's the trajectory is almost the same, if not more aggressive with the iPhone. Because the iPhone's generally a year ahead of yeah. the iPad. Whatever happens on the iPhone this year is what you'll see next year on the iPad. Yeah, and the and the iPhone definitely gets obviously 
gets a regular upgrade every year, whereas the iPad has been longer, and then the Mac has been even longer still. Oh, yeah, the Mac is almost... It's almost a dereliction in duty at this point with the Mac and, and Apple. Um, but let's go back 10 years. I remember when the iPhone was released. I, I was at Macworld Expo that year, 2007, with me and a bunch of other uh, of the MyMac crew, which you were a part of then, but you weren't actually at that San Francisco no, it event. No, it was the following year, the, uh, the MacBook Air announcement that, that I was there with you. Yep. And so... I remember when the iPhone announcement hit and sitting there in the crowd and watching, and it was it was a seminal moment. It's one of those rare times that you can look back and go, wow, that really did change everything. That, that announcement in 2007 changed everything, not just for Apple and, and for people like you and I that were really heavy into tech, but it had worldwide consequences. Um, oh, yeah. And, and we could... This whole show could be nothing but the influence of the iPhone and what's changed, and we could have multi-parts to that series. So the iPhone was released. We got a couple different iterations at that point. I think we were on the iPhone, maybe the iPhone 4, because there was no iPhone 3. No, there was the iPhone, then the iPhone 3G, yep. and then there was a 3GS, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I think we were right between the 3GS and the 4. It was right yeah. in that time frame. When uh, Steve Jobs took to a stage and presented the iPhone or the iPad, and it was um, it was an odd product when Apple announced it. A lot of if people you, thought, "Well, go ahead." I was going to say, if you remember at the time, there was a, I guess from from the release of the 3GS the previous year, mm -hmm. uh, and remember the four. In 2010, the 4 was actually announced at WWDC. Yeah. So that was quite an aggressive time, time scale. So that the iPhone, the iPad came before that. I remember when the 3GS came out, there was, there was a massive rumor mill that a tablet was coming from Apple. Yes. And by the time they made the announcement, it was, it was well expected, though we didn't know what it was going to be. I remember at the time, everyone thought, first of all, that it was going to be based on the Mac. Yeah, that was a, a big people, rumor. Everybody yeah. was like, this yeah. is going to be a Mac-based. A Mac, yep. yeah. And, and everyone thought it was going to be over at least over $1,000. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's kind of what people were waiting for. And so when he said Steve came out and did probably a, a part be. I would say behind the iPhone announcement, probably one of the best keynotes he's ever done. Because I think this was a product that was so much in his wheelhouse. And in fact, you go back and read the history of the iPhone development, they thought of the iPad first. Yes. They wanted to do the iPad first, but the technology wasn't there to do it at the time. Something that large and something that, that they could manufacture for a, for a decent price. So they actually did the iPhone first. So the iPad was always the first idea behind this product and so when he came out he did this you know you remember he did the the thing where he was just sat in a chair using it um showing everything off on it and he was just kind of relaxing in the chair which was kind of the whole point this was about taking computing off off the desktop and certainly even off off a desk and off your lap into something you held in your hands um and it was yeah i think it was it was probably one of his best behind the iPhone, which obviously is, is I, I think everybody accepts, is probably the best one he ever did. Um, and, yeah, we, we were blown away by everything he showed us, especially when it came to the price, because it was half the price we were expecting. 
and we thought this amazing thing was going to be way out I mean, of range was, price wise. Yeah, it was. It was. Was it? I, I forget what. I mean, how did it? Conf- I think it was round about the same price as an iPhone. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it, but it was about half the price of the cheapest the iBook at the time, the cheapest Apple laptop. Yeah. But yet it ran exactly the same. Now they've split it over time. Now the iPad OS and the and uh, iOS have split. The phone OS and the iPad OS are slightly different. There's the same code base, don't get me wrong, but it's different. And because it was the same OS then, you could run every single iPhone application because remember the App Store was had been released. It was doing extremely well, especially in games and stuff like that. So Apple says, well, this is going to run the iPad or the iOS from the iPhone. It's, just, it's the same operating system. And you could use the iPhone applications, but remember, it had that 2X thing. That's right. So you push a button, and it filled the screen, and it, quite honestly, looked like ass. Um, so iPhone developers had to optimize their apps to run on the iPad. And I remember there was there was every week there was some new application that you loved on the iPhone that was released now for the iPad as well. And oh, thank God because now it's going to be big. It's going to be the graphics are going to look better. Yeah, and and this this was the year when Apple really pushed developers towards different screen sizes, and rather than this targeting the standard iPhone screen size, because this was also the year the iPhone four came out, which obviously had a Retina display. Right. So, and and that Which everyone was what, had to two read. and a half times more pixels than the iPhone could exactly, actually yeah. show. So, so everybody had to redo their programs anyway. And this was really when Apple started to kind of build on the App Store as a as a as a multi a multi platform um, environment for developing apps in. Which is and, no and a, small feat. Let, I, no. I think a lot of people don't. When you're looking at the history of iOS, iPhone, and iPad. They don't really stop and consider, especially in the early days, that it was really a complex thing that Apple was creating with the worldwide developers to to support two different devices, to have legacy support, and, and to build all this basically from the ground up within just three years. I know, and and nobody else has pulled this off. Nobody has. You look at you look at what Google have tried to do with Android on tablets, and it's just been a disaster. Yeah, and, you know, Android tablets are just they're not garbage. Really a th- they're not really a thing. Yeah, um, Amazon hasn't pulled it off because they've just got one tablet platform, um, and uh, and so so it's it's easy for them because they're they're running a fork of Android and they control all of that. And it feels uh, clunky. Yeah, even it to is, this day, it is, it's clunky. It is clunky. The the best apps on the on the Kindle Fire tablets are the Amazon ones yes. because they're the ones that are specifically written for it. Uh, and then and then you look with uh, Microsoft has tried to move Windows into this in, to try to pull this off with Windows two or three times now, and they're still trying to do it with Surface. Um, with with yeah, the Surface devices, and then these new things that are coming out this year that they with the uh, the folding screens, and they're still trying to find a middle ground between. A bridge between Windows and um, mobile, and of course they're not actually in mobile themselves anymore. No, no. And, and remember, that's what that's what Steve, how that's how he presented the iPad. Is he said we felt we feel there is a gap between the MacBook 
and the iPhone and what could fill it. And that was his kind of the structure of his presentation of what could fill it. And I remember the big criticism and the big response from most of the tech press at the time when it came out was, was well, it's just a big iPhone. Well, that was but that's what I remember talking <laughs> yeah. about in that episode of OWC Radio that I said, it's just a big iPhone, as if it was going to be a negative thing. But I but distinctly was, remember saying, yes, that's the best part. It is. It's a big iPhone. <clears throat> yeah. It does everything that the iPhone already does exceptionally well, only it does it on an interface that, you know, most humans can use. And, it's not, a, and it's not an actual phone. Yeah. We forget with, with our big phone, even with our big phones nowadays, we forget how tiny the original iPhone screen was. It was three and a half inches. I don't remember because yeah. I still have mine. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. But you don't tend to use it in anger. Every time I pick up the, my iPod Touch and use that, because the iPod Touch is the same size, yeah. uh, but obviously the iPod Touch is retina, so it looks a lot clearer. But even then, I, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, well, it's uh, yeah, it really was very small. But because the iPhone was so good at what it did, all we wanted to do was browse the web on it, do our email on it do all our things on it. We wanted to pick it up and use it instead of our big computers. And that's what we all started to do. When the App Store came along, that blew it wide open because now you could get games, you could get any of the apps you wanted to do all of those computing tasks that you used to do on a big computer, right? But the problem was you were doing it through that tiny little window. To take that and blow it up to 9.7 inches was perfection, because now you could do all of those easy computing tasks that iOS made so easily, but you could do it on a screen that was big enough to see and big enough to type on. It was fantastic. That was exactly what we wanted. And that's why the iPod, the iPad sold gangbusters when it came out. It did. It was, a, it was an immediate yeah. hit. And yet it still had a lot of criticism. In fact, it still has a lot of criticism today, if, if you want to be honest. Yeah. So the iPad was released. Um, it was half the price of a laptop. And you started seeing them almost everywhere. Yeah. In comparison today, I, I still I don't see the iPad as much as I used to. Uh, and I think a lot I, I think, of that yeah. is because the iPhone screen got so much bigger. And yeah. just, it's just more mobile. I think what, what, I, what I see has happened is the iPad has moved into niches and it's kind of stayed there. But but it's not as general it was. But I, you know what? I reckon you if you took an awful lot of people, if you took a random sampling of 150, 200 people that you see out and about using an iPhone, and you ask them, I bet a quite high percentage of those would have an iPad at home. I do. And that, I was going to say that. I think the iPad became even more so than the laptop. People take their laptop because you're going to do work and you got to pull up the spreadsheet and you got to, uh, for business reasons... Um, and they, of course, they have their iPhone with them because they're out and about. It's their phone. They, it's always yeah. with them. The iPhone or the iPad became a device you regulate to home. It's the yeah. device you take into the bathroom. It's the one that you're laying in bed. It's the one you're sitting on the couch reading on or playing a game on. It became the home device. I don't know if Apple and specifically Steve Jobs thought that's what it was going to be. I think he thought... People are going to take this everywhere because remember the next year they released the one with the uh, the modem chip in it. Um, yeah, I I think Apple thought people were going to take this around like a laptop, and they're not. It's yeah. become 
the device that people use while they're at home because you can just take it anywhere in the house with you. Most people, I think, use it as a Wi-Fi only device. I think very few people actually use it with the built-in modem uh, because it costs more, number one. And number two, if you need it to connect to the network, well, that's what the iPhone is for. Plus, you can tether through the iPhone if you have to. Yeah. I'd, I'd, you know what? Everybody always says that. I have an iPad mini, the latest iPad mini with um, 4G on it. And um, once you have it there built in, it's very, very liberating because you don't need to think about the networking because it will automatically switch. And, and it's much more convenient than tethering. And, um, well, of course. You know, and, and the other advantage in today's market is that if you want to get an iPad, uh, if you buy it with cellular, with a data plan, um, you know, this is easier in the UK where the data plans are much cheaper than they are in the, U- in the US. Um, that means you can spread the cost of the iPad um, as part of your plan. Yeah, but I don't um, think most you know, people do that. I think most no, people I, buy I, the I don't Wi-Fi think most only. people do that. But I, you know, I would always say that's kind of a, a secret tip. I would, I often give this to any if anyone's saying oh, I'm thinking about buying an iPad, I would say to them, I say, think about buying it with a cheap cellular plan because then you can spread the cost over the 24 months of the plan, and that means you can get a bigger or more expensive iPad than perhaps you're budgeting for. I think, but the, that's that's an aside. I think the other big thing with the iPad, quite honestly is because it's a bigger device and it's easier to see it became much more popular with the older segment of tech users the young people are out and about they've always got their phone with them that's what they're going to use even when they're home Uh, but when you get older like you and i uh, and some of the people that you know like on the mymac staff um it's easier on your eyes. <laughs> For those well, le- younger listeners, you'll yeah. see one day. It's yeah. easier it's just, on your eyes. Yeah, it's it's, but it's not just that. It's well, it, it's it's all of these things as you get older. It's easier on your fingers. Yes. Yeah, because you know your fingers aren't as nimble as you get older. Right. Um, and yeah, I I completely, I'm, I'm certainly my own use is that we ha- we don't have a desktop computer at home anymore. Uh, and I have laptops, but I only break them out when I need to do something that I can't do on my iPad. Yeah. And in our house, the iPads are the principal computers. I have a 12.9 inch that I use at home, and that is my uh, that is in my mind that is what I consider to be my main computer. Yeah. I do everything on there, and the only time I don't use it is when I'm doing something that doesn't work well on the iPad for some reason. Yeah. My my wife, that's her only computer. She does everything through it. And the only time she asks me for a laptop is when you get one of those odd websites that doesn't work well in mobile Safari. Yeah. Um, you know, and my, my kids the same. You know, they're on the iPads all the time. And yet I bet most of them are left at home. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I in fact in fact I I have found again because of the nature of using the iPad that when I travel, I have been travelling for work for quite a quite a while. Yeah, I will pack the laptop, which I need for work, and that's the thing. But I'll also have my iPad Mini with me. And I, I yeah. basically use the iPad Mini, uh, and that's why I got it as a cellular, because it's in a bit of an extravagance having another iPad, but that's why I'm spreading the costs on it, because I got the cellular one. But I got that, so I have a smaller travel iPad that I can watch video on the train, do a bit of work if I want to, and then when I'm sat in the hotel room in the evening, I'm using that rather than computer. Yeah, like when we go to Woodstock... I always bring my older laptop, but only because we're going to be recording podcasts. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'm on my. If I'm sitting in the room, I'm on my iPad. 
I'm laying on the bed. I've got my iPad. Because especially in a hotel room, if you're not actually sitting in the crappy little chair and desk that they always provide you with, you're probably laying on the bed, right? Yep. Yeah. I I bet fewer and fewer people are actually turning on the TV in their hotel rooms. Mm. A, A, because you don't know what channels are on where because it's so confusing because you go to these. And when you do turn it on, they're almost always on the hotel channel so you can see what the hell's going on. Um, and it's the local news, which, let's be honest, unless it's the weather, we don't care about. Um, so you're sitting in your hotel room. You're pulling out your iPad because you're laying on the bed. And if you're laying on the bed, the iPad's a whole lot easier to use than a laptop. And also as well, if you're traveling for business, you can take that iPad down for dinner <coughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah, you can catch up in a bit of work over breakfast, maybe answer a few emails. Yeah, you don't have to have a keyboard with it, though it's very easy to get a small keyboard, Bluetooth keyboard, that goes along with it if you want to do a bit of worky work on it. Um, and it's amazing how much work you can get done on an iPad. But I think that point you just made, yeah, is is the double-edged sword of the iPad, because the point about you can't record podcasts on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you but can, it, but... You, well, it's, and exactly. And, and well, why would you people, want to? For all the people howling about, no, it's not true. The iPad can be your only computer. I completely agree with you. It can be, but it's so much harder to do some things than it is to do uh, to do stuff with a laptop. And, let's, and, let's and I think this is where the this is where the iPad has failed. I think yep. that yep. Steve Jobs expected the iPad to become the dominant computing platform for everything. I think Apple expected ultimately the iPad would replace the Mac and become the main computing platform for everything and that hasn't happened and that's because it still retains some really major limitations about what you can and can't do with it some of those are apple's fault some of those are to do with the platform itself well and so for all the things the ipad has enabled and brought to us it still is not capable of becoming the one device to rule them all yep so let's start with how people are using the ipad and why it's probably bad it's a bad choice for most people who are creating content. The biggest drawback, far and away, is a a lack of the Finder that yeah. you get on a Windows PC, you get on the Mac. It's super, super simple. For instance, I'm going to finish recording my segment of this podcast. You're going to share your version of well, uh, your audio for this podcast on Dropbox. Yeah. I'll have it within two, three minutes. I simply drag using my cursor into GarageBand. I line it up. I apply a couple filters. I put a compressor on it. I boost your lows. I knock your highs down. And I export it to the desktop. Once that's done, I drag that file over to um, Levelator. And then mm-hmm. I drag that file, the exported file, into iTunes. I create all the metadata, put the screen stuff on there. I uh, I convert it to an MP3 file. I drag that to my desktop. I go to the hostings website. I web FTP in. I drag that into. I can't do any of that stuff without jumping through multiple hoops. Could I yeah. do it on the iPad? I could, except it's going to take ten times as long. And yeah. why would I want to spend ten times as long when I can do it on my Mac? So much faster, so much more easily. Yeah, absolutely. I can that have is, multiple things open at the same time. Yeah, that is pro- that is the problem. And you know, there are guys out there. If you read, um, well, guys, uh, Cyril did it. 
yeah, you can read Federico, Federico for Fittici's site. He is he has become the expert, probably the best writer in the industry about using the iPad for everything, and he's got all sorts of automator actions and tricks and workflows and and all sorts of different things that allows him to do that and he works really hard at figuring out the most optimal way to do that but he's putting so much effort in to do something that just works easily on a mac or a windows pc yeah and and And, that's the problem yeah and and the difficulty is now this has always been a problem it's becoming even more of a problem for the ipad now is that when you look at devices like the um like the surface microsoft surface which effectively is the size of an ipad pro but it's a full laptop, Windows laptop computer. Yeah, on the Mac side, you can get a MacBook Air. You can. Uh, it, they don't make it anymore, but the 11-inch MacBook Air is about the size of an iPad. Um, and so it's always been possible to use a computer to do these things, um, the things that the iPad can't do. The problem is, as you and I have just discussed, we would rather when we when we don't have to, not have to use a computer at all. We'd rather use the iPad. But you do run up against these limitations. Look at that same workflow from my perspective, from my side of this. I'm doing much less than you are. I am just talking to you over our uh, comms application, and at the same time, I'm recording my audio locally so I can send it to you for higher quality later. I could not do that on the iPad because it won't, it won't let you have an internet conversation and record in the background at the same time. Correct. Yeah, so I would have to to do that then. So then we start thinking about the workarounds and limitations. I would have to. Um, You'd have to find an app that allowed us to communicate. That's cross-platform, so it's going to have to be web-based. That at the same time will allow you to record the conversation and store it locally. Yeah, or or alternatively, I'd need extra hardware. I could do something <laughs> with some. <clears throat> wiring and maybe an external audio recorder to do the local recording and let the the iPad handle the internet comms but then that's that's nowhere near as simple as what I'm doing here where I've got USB headset plugged into my Mac right um, and and this is the issue there are other things as well if you want to use industry standard applications they they don't run the same way on the iPad for various reasons some of those are business reasons adobe for instance has constantly kind of shuffled its feet and looked at the floor when people have approached it for a proper equivalent version of Photoshop on well, the iPad. Well, I, I, they keep trying. <laughs> it's not that they're shuffling their feet and looking sheepish. I think it's they haven't figured it out because it's not an optimal platform to use the tools that they created 35 years ago that work excellently on, an, uh, on a computer, but yeah. it's just not great for the iPad. And I think that comes back to the the theory that a lot of people have that for content creation, iOS, whether it's on the iPhone or the iPad, is not optimal and that it's more of a consumption device. And I don't think that that's a negative. I think that's why we still have Macs and we still have iOS devices. That's why we have Apple TV. That's why we have headphones, because not one device can be everything. That being said, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a consumption device. Our televisions are a consumption device, and we don't say, yeah, but I can't FTP on my television. Yeah, well, no, I, I, but- I think I think the, the difficulty Apple's faced, and you, we'll, yeah, everyone will, will, who's followed Apple over the last 10 years will know that the iPad had a meteoric rise and then it flattened out for 
quite a few years, and it was only re- really about three, four years ago with the induction, introduction of the iPad Pros that uh, iPad growth kind of returned. And, and uh, in any, and it's not, and it's growing steadily now. It's not growing meteorically, but it is growing now, and that is a result of refresh models, um, particularly a low-end model, which I think absolutely meets that pure consumption criteria. And I think for a long time Apple resisted doing that. Uh, and then also the pros, and and they they are they are taking steps, I think, with the iPad Pros to turn them into something that are more towards the, you know a, a one-off creation device for creatives with limitations. And I think at the moment, if your particular creative slants fit within the iPad limitations, you can go for it. If you're a an artist, for instance, they're great devices. Absolutely, particularly with if, a pencil. Yes, that's yeah? that's the one area I think when it comes to the iPad that. It's, it might be even better than a computer because you're literally drawing. It's like drawing on a piece of paper, but it's right yeah. there in your lap. You can be anywhere. You're not stuck with a Wacom tablet. Um, it's more intuitive. In, in that respect, yes, the yeah, iPad a lot, is a great yeah. creation tool. I think a lot of students are using them for notes. Um, mm, again, with the pencil. I don't think so. I think a lot of students are using... Chromebooks. Uh, no, I'm not talking about K through twelve. I'm uh, I'm talking about um, mature students or college students. I think I'm really uh, you know in, in school you get what you're given and you tend to use what you're given and that is Chromebooks in the US. <laughs> it's not it's not so much outside of the US. Um, but I'm I'm thinking about students who basically have their own disposable income. So the students who go to college to university and then on into the workplace. I think a lot of them are using iPads. Um, now, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of those students also have laptops too, for the same reasons that they can't exactly they can't manage they can't manage to do everything with the iPad. And I would even you know I consider myself a relatively expert iPad user. If I was going into education today, um, <clears throat> I'd want to have I'd want to have an iPad with me, but I'd also want to have a laptop. Now, fortunately, if that if that's your use case because the iPad has been on the market for 10 years, you don't necessarily have to go out and buy a brand new one if you don't want to. And that cheap one, you know, the entry-level one, which is, what, $329, yep. is a hell of a deal. Oh, yeah, it is. Because it does 80% of everything even the top-end iPad Pro does, uh, and it does it for $329. The price of the iPad Pros is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, like, a little, it's a little too much. You know. But um, the people that are buying them are using them for use-specific things like an artist. Yeah, and, and and I think there are there are certain you know Apple has always a, a, attracted the affluent set, and I think there are there are certain people who, when they go to buy an iPad, will buy the best one they can buy, and if that means it's a top end Pro, either a you know an eleven inch or a, or a, a thirteen, they'll do that here, because it's the top end one. Here, here's um, I've been reading a lot about the iPad's ten years anniversary on a variety of websites. Uh, one of the ones that I keep seeing, uh, well, I, I've seen it on two or three different websites now, was, and I think this is a really good point. I think John Gruber had a couple articles on this as well, linking to other people, of course. Um, there were many, many, many companies that were built on the Mac, Adobe, Quark, uh, Microsoft to a lesser degree, but still they were yeah. built on this idea of here's this platform we're going to make these apps for it, these applications, and they become extremely successful. That's yeah. what their business model is. The same is true with the iPhone. Here's the iPhone. It's a mobile device. We're going to build our platform. Look, the rise of Facebook 
yeah. and Spotify and all of these things are because of the iPhone. Yes, they're also on Android, but let's be honest, it's because of the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, Android would not exist so, uh, outside the iPhone. <coughs> and I know those are purists out there say, well, they were actually developing. Shut up. Um, yeah. they, were, they were aping the BlackBerry yes, for the iPhone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's all Android ever does is ape somebody yeah. else's stuff. Um, so there is a robust, very wealthy industry built around the Mac, built around Windows, built around Android and iOS. Well, iPhone. Where's the ecosystem that's built around the iPad? I would suggest it does not exist. That everything I just described is ported over to the iPad. I can't think of anything that's iPad specific that's a killer app that people go out and buy an iPad because they have to use this piece of software. The same is not true with Mac or iPhone. But iPad... It, there's there okay we could say the same thing about the iPod but that's a music player so there is no development but there well, is no, no companies could, that hit I, it big I, I, because I, of the iPad yeah. I disagree with you on the iPod I think there are quite a few companies in existence today who started as iPod accessory makers um, but um, you know there it was about cases and hardware and, yeah cases and speakers and yeah. And, widgets and all that sort of thing and I, and I would suspect you could argue that there are one or two accessory companies who who, ba- who have kind of majored on the iPad uh, Name 12 one. South 12 South comes to mind 12 South was their whole thing was started on the iP- iPhone uh, they support the iPad but their yeah, success support, wasn't I would I would say the I, majority of their no stuff now is mm, focused on the iPad no way not even close dude go uh, to the website maybe, Maybe uh, maybe that's just my personal. Yeah, there's, there's no way. I bet. I bet. Maybe, I bet. Maybe it's most of the stuff of their I bought from them is, a, is for my iPad. Right, but I bet ten percent of their sales comes from iPad at the most. Okay. So th- I I would suggest that there are no companies that's built their success around that platform, the iPad. I I can't think of any. That's yep, not already like, doing something on the iPhone. And they want. Well, let's just make this for the iPad too. Yeah, case makers even, and headphones even, and yeah, even my mild disagreement is very mild and very much on the fringes so uh, i i can i can buy into your argument so why is that then is it because it is purely for the vast majority of people just a consumption device which you could say the same thing about the mac and you could say the same thing about windows and an iphone that most people <coughs> are consuming content on it they're browsing they're checking email they're um, it, it's, but there are so many companies that are built around those other platforms. So why is it then? Is it simply because of how we use this device that as a home device that you walk around the house and you're reading the news, you're checking your email, you're browsing the internet, you're checking it on Facebook. That's what that device is. It's, it's a consumption device for home use for the most part. And that there yeah. isn't really a market for that. What, as an accessory maker, what are you going to do with the iPad? You're going to make a keyboard. Well, Apple already does that, and I would I would suggest that everybody who's got a keyboard for the iPad hardly ever use it. Hardly ever use that's, it. That's that's true. I have, well, I have several Bluetooth keyboards. That right. I use on my iPads, and I use them very Sp- infrequently. Sp- yeah, sparingly, yeah. if that. Right. Yeah. Yep. 
And you got a different one because, oh, that looks cool. So you got it and you used it a couple times and then it sat in the drawer and you just don't touch it again because oh, I'm just going to reply to this email real quick. Well, do I want to go grab my Bluetooth keyboard? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot to plug it in. It's not charged. I'll just use the built-in keyboard. Yeah. So, okay. So headphones. Well, I don't think people are plugging in headphones a lot to iPads and walk around and watching movies. And if they are, they just can use the head- same headphones that came with their iPhone. But yeah. they probably already have a set of headphones because of the iPhone, yeah. not because and, and of the, the iPad. One of, and one of Apple's biggest markets at the moment is the AirPods. And the AirPods support the iPhone and the iPad equally. Right. So as a headphone maker, well, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. And you're probably going to focus on the iPhone anyways. Because that's when people are using the headsets is when they're out walking around, walking the dog, listening to music, that sort of thing. I bet there's yep. a bunch of people listening to this episode right now listening to it on their iPhone, not their iPad, or on their Mac. Yeah. And half of them are using headphones. The others are in their car driving to work right now. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we're at 36 minutes now, so they're probably driving home from work now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, okay, so we're going to rule out audio. We're going to rule out, um, well, there's cases, though. But I don't think there's any multi-billion dollar case companies that are focused on the iPad. I, there are some that make the iPad 1s, but I don't think that there's any, you know, well, our, again, our big business it, is the iPad. Well, the thing is, is if you're going to support anything to do with Apple, because you've got, you've got sunk costs with Apple, you've got to... Um, interact with Apple. There is licensing to pay. Right. Got to pay. Those overheads are there, yep. whether you're making stuff for the iPad or the iPhone. Correct. And bearing in mind the iPhone is a, is, is a market that completely dwarfs the iPad. Or yeah. the Mac or Windows. or yeah. any. I if mean, it's gigantic. If you're going to do one, you might as well do the other. Right. And if you're going to do... And what I suspect the way most market most people come to it is they start with the iPhone because that's where the big volume is. Yes. And then they go into the iPad afterwards. Yeah, they, they get a little yeah. a little something-something from the iPad, but not really a whole lot. But why not? They might as well. So externally, there's not a whole lot for the iPad to do. So that brings us to developers that... The Adobe's, the back in the day, the Quark Express type of companies, these these professional level tools that turn this device sitting on your desktop like a Mac or a, or a notebook, it it turns them into a content creation thing that you have to use to make your money. And these companies that create these programs became very wealthy. I would yeah. submit that there isn't any company a software developer that's become very wealthy because of their success on the iPad with one exception games. Mm-hmm. I think gaming companies on the iPad are the only ones that are seeing any kind of big success. And even when I say big success, eh, maybe if it's an Apple arcade, otherwise I think most developers, most developers, 95% of them are probably breaking even if that, and well, some of them I aren't would, selling yeah. anything. I would say most of them now are probably making more money because they've been able to take those mobile games that run on the iPad and port them to the Nintendo Switch, where they can charge four times the price for Yes, them. absolutely, uh, 100% and, right. And In fact, did making, you see the Switch just packs the Super Nintendo? It's now I the number that, yeah. three selling. Yeah. In fact, not only did it pass for Nintendo, it became their third best selling. 
and, and it will eventually take number one. It will pass the NES and then the Wii. It will. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It also passed the Xbox One, which has been out for seven years. The Switch has been out for three years, and it just passed it. Yep. Um, there's no slowing down the Switch. It's a no. fantastic gaming device. But, but the advantage, as I said, for the developer is that is that Switch has a very active online store, Excellent. similar yep. to Apple's. Yep. And yet you can take your game, you can port it, and instead of selling it for four ninety nine, three ninety nine. You can sell it for eighteen ninety nine, twenty four ninety nine, and people will buy it if it's well, a good game. Well, and this goes back to your arguments and your criticism of Apple TV Plus, which yep. was it's easy to find what you're looking for on the Switch. And yep. I would suggest, and I know this is blasphemy for some people, I would suggest that the interface for the Switch is better than the interface for the iPad or the iPhone, in yep. that you can find what you're looking for. It downloads it. It's very simple to use. Kids use it, little kids. So Nintendo knows that. Browsing the store, it's a touch interface, but you can also use the controllers for just up, down, left, right. It's so much easier. I think that's the aspect of of the Switch that a lot of people don't focus on is how easy it is to browse your own content as well as browse the store, easily buy something It's it's the way it's supposed to be, whereas... And, and here's, here's the other thing, actually, that I think I've always found frustrating about the App Store versus what I found with the Switch Store, is that if you're on a computer or another device, a non-Nintendo device, and you, you know, you follow the, you follow the industry, you're a gamer, like me and like you, yeah? So, you know, I look at the game sites and I see reviews for Switch games. If I want to buy a Switch game that I see an article for, I can click on a link on it on the website. It will take me to Nintendo's site, and I can buy it on the web, and then it will download to my Switch. Yes. You can't do that with any of Apple's stuff. Well, now you can. You used to be able to. Yeah, it'll take you to a page. Well, no, even if if, I'm talking about if you're on a Windows PC. If you're on a Windows PC, yeah, it will take you to a page which uh, looks like the App Store, but you can't buy it there and have it download to your iPad. But you used to be able to. That's my point. Yeah, Apple took now. that feature away, which is, I think it's one of the dumbest decisions Apple has made in many years. Yeah. To be able to, <coughs> excuse me, unless you're actually on the device itself, you can't buy apps for it. It's stupid. Yeah. Why can't I be at work on my lunch break? I'm looking at something on my computer. Ooh, that looks like a good game. Buy it. Oh, it's five ninety nine. Okay, I'll buy it here at work. By the time I get home, it's already on my iPad, ready to go. That's but what you can't you do it. That's exactly right. what you want. Apple's decision to take online purchases off the web and make them device only is one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it was absolutely stupid. Um, so I think game developers are seeing mild success. Some of them are seeing a lot of success, but for the most part, it's mild success. What's the next category? Well, we already said that the professional level stuff isn't selling on the iPad. Yeah, I, I think I think photographers are big fans of the iPad because it's it's a nice big screen to review photos they've taken, and it's relatively easy to get photos from your camera onto your. I'm talking about professional photographers now um, to get photos from your camera onto the iPad, but. Again, the difficulty there now is that is that photography is moving increasingly into video, and once you're in video, it becomes more difficult again. Well, even if we just right? stuck with photography, 
yes, you can do a lot of that stuff on the iPad. Um, and it's pretty intuitive for the most part, some of the applications, but it's still so much easier on this, on the computer, on the Mac, where you have external storage, where it's easy to back up. Uh, the programs are way more robust and there's way more stuff that you can do. It's way more easy to send files to other people to upload them to websites. Everything that you'd really want to do is going to take longer on the iPad. And if you're a professional photographer, other than previewing your files and maybe adding a quick filter, everything's going to be better on the macro windows. It yeah. just is. Uh, and, and then there's an ongoing problem with iPadOS now because they've added a lot of the features we've talked about. There is a file manager there now. But it's there clunky. Is, yeah. Well, that's what I'm coming to. There is split screen multitasking on there now. Yeah. The problem is it's so clunky and unintuitive to use. It's, it's worse than that, David. People don't know how to use it. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I I have sat staring at my iPad screen, trying to figure out how to get stuff into or out of it, the files manager in, in iOS 13. Yeah. Thinking to myself, am I being dumb here? Because this looks like it should be much easier than it is. And then I realize, no, it's not me being dumb. It's just the interfaces are so obtuse. Well, and that's you know? the thing. They keep trying to improve the user experience on the iPad, make it more computer-like. And it's and I would suggest it's been a dismal failure from a user standpoint the entire time. Yeah, it's simply not working. I I think that the issue is is they're trying to kind of bolt it into the iOS interface, right? I think the proper way to do this for iPad is to actually forget all of that. If you want to do window multitasking, files management, everything like that, you need to build a separate part of the operating system that works like a computer. Yeah, yeah you, they the separated for, iPad OS and iPhone OS. Yeah. Let's really separate it. No, yeah, but I think what they need to do is they need to throw out all the gestures and stuff that are there and start again. They need one gesture that basically takes you into a brand new interface that doesn't exist anywhere else, yeah? And that interface is focused on file management and program window man management. So it could if float over that, an existing window. Yeah, basically it would be something like it, like the Expose interface they have now, but it would have file management and everything. And the idea would be you, you would effectively say, right, I want these two apps split screen. I want this app, you know, and you would basically, it would be like a desktop manager, you yeah. know, like that thing they have. I, I've on got the, a name for the, yeah. I got a perfect name for it too, David. It's called the Finder. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, you could, it's you what could the very much iPad has been yeah. lacking from day one. You, yeah, I think you everybody wants it, but Apple's yeah. not going to do it. And to not well to not break com compatibility, I understand that. But what they need to do is basically bolt that on, have it sat outside the OS, it's almost like a separate OS to I iPad OS with a single gesture to get to it, and that has the full access to the system that you need to actually do some of these things. Yeah. That's, that is it. Cause I understand they, they don't want to rewrite iPad OS from scratch because that throws out all the compatibility in 10 years of legacy. But this is, if I were doing it, this is the way I would do it. I'd say, let's bolt on something at the side that talks to iPad OS, but is not iPad OS. Yeah. And that runs as a multitask at the same time as the main system. And that way you can have all the functions you want in an intuitive redesigned interface that is obvious just from looking at it rather than what we have at the moment i mean the the hoops you have to jump through if you have uh one app open and you want to open up another app in split screen and it's not in the dock 
it's just insane. It is. And it's complete. It's un- not only is it unintuitive, you can't find it if you don't know it's there. And even if you sit and watch a YouTube video of somebody doing it, yeah, you try and do it yourself, and three times out of four, it doesn't work. Right. Something else it's pops so up. hard to achieve. Well, yeah, no, or, or you don't quite move things the right way, or you don't wait quite long enough when you've got your finger down, or you, you, you misswipe something, or you don't hit the home button properly if you've got a home button, or... or and, and the worse than anything else is when you're trying to do it to which, unbeknownst to you, the app doesn't support multitasking. Right. So you, you follow the actions and it just doesn't work. And you have no idea why. Because it, And the reason is because that app just doesn't support split screen. Yep. You know, it's it's just insane. And, you know, <coughs> it's it, it a really, mess. It, it is a mess. And and I think it, if, if, I, if Apple wants to take the iPad to the next level, and I believe they do, I think they still would like to see the iPad become... A, dom- a really dominant computing platform versus the Mac and Windows and all that sort of thing. And while it's doing there at the moment, it's doing it in baby steps. I think they need to radically reapproach it. And 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 the iPad deserves that because the iPad, for all the criticism we've just given of it, has achieved so much. It's an amazing it. device. You it know, is for for all yeah. this criticism. It's criticism out of love that we want to see it be as good as we know it could be because and we've got empirical evidence with the mac that this is what it could be now the mac would make a piss poor ipad os it it really would it's not it that's why we have macs we don't want the mac creeping into the ipad i do want some of the ipad and iphone to creep into the mac os i do Mm. but that being said i want the ipad to be as good as it could be and it's just not yet and no. it's frustrating as fans of the device. And, you yeah. know, you talked about they're seeing growth again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's real growth. I think it's existing users upgrading their iPads. Yeah, that's what their growth yeah. is. I think everybody who wanted an iPad has an iPad. And, of course, we're always going to have the parts of the population dying off and younger people coming up. And now they become the consumers. And this is their first iPad. Sure, there's some of that. But the major growth of the iPad, exactly the same as the iPhone, is upgrading to a new device. Yeah. They they create a new category with this. And let's face it, you know, it's still the case that you've said this many times over the over the past 10 years. Um, there is no tablet market. There is an iPad market. Exactly. 100%. Yeah? Because the tablet market outside of the iPad is a, is a minuscule fraction of what the iPad market is. Well, it's because it's you know? so bad. Yeah, and nobody yeah, quite understands. We've, we've praised some of these devices. You know, the Kindle, the the Kindle readers have their own ecosystem. They're very much focused on book reading, and they do that very well. Yeah, the Kindle tab, Fire tablets. You know, again, they are for, for people who just basically want to watch video uh, and maybe want want to you know, you know watch video and be able to read their their Amazon books at the same time. The Kindles are great cheap devices but the, the kindle, reality the reality is is that i suspect even anybody who has a kindle fire or whatever they're called nowadays um would probably probably if you came along and said well you know what for no cost i could change that to a, a different tablet anything you want what would you have everyone or every one of them will probably go you know i'd like an ipad right here's, yeah. here's the problem with the kindle fire it gets in your way of doing basic stuff like for instance you could totally tell that google and Amazon don't like each other because it's hard as hell to get any Google app to behave properly on a Kindle device. The true, the, the opposite is not true when it comes to uh, an iPad. They just work flawlessly. So, <coughs> excuse me, 
here, here's the biggest difference. And this is why I say there's an iPad market and there's no tablet market. It's because Apple and specifically Steve Jobs at the time understood that the iPad with a bigger screen being used at home, it's in your hand, it's touch gestures. And again, a bigger screen, it becomes an even more of a personal device that it, you know, it's so natural to touch and swipe and, and push the home button and to play games and to read. Remember Steve Jobs whole thing about turning the page and you could actually see the, you know, it was so intuitive. It was such a personal computing experience and none of the Android tablets have ever figured that out. They've never figured it out. Apple did. They did it 10 years ago. That's why we're celebrating 10 years of the iPad here on tech fan, because it has the same birthday as we do. Um, so we're partial to that. Of course. Um, it, it is such a fantastic device. I can't imagine not having an iPad. You know, if yeah. my iPad screen broke, I have to get another iPad. Yeah. Do absolutely. I need one? No, I don't need it because everything I'm doing on my iPad, I could do on my iPhone. I don't want to. Yeah. I could do on my on my Mac. I don't want to. The iPad yeah. is a fantastic device. David and I both love it. I'm sure most of you that own one, and I would I would hazard a guess that. 99% of anybody listening to this podcast owns an iPad. I bet you really like it. I bet you wish you could do a little bit more with it, but I bet you really, really do like it. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, in some respects, that's part of Apple's problem with the iPad. I think the reason why they, we saw that flattening off for a while is that um, Apple today is very interested in one metric and one metric only, which is customer satisfaction. And that was uh, both a boon and a downfall of the iPad. Yeah, in that- because the the everyone is, liked it. Everyone they, loved it. Customer sat scores were off the charts. Extremely the is, reliable. They worked yeah. as advertised, yeah. and there was no apps that were built specifically for it that just needed a more powerful one. Exactly. So basically, everyone says, we love it. And Apple goes, that's fine. So the iPad's already perfect. We don't need to do very much with it. Uh, yeah. and, the, and the problem is those two things don't line up. So, so be, complacency you know, is the downfall of the iPad. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that actually is a real problem with that. I think that mm-hmm. the difficulty is is that when people don't complain about the iPad, and let's face it, we we don't we hear complaints about the Mac laptops all the time. We hear complaints about the Mac desktops and the lineup all the time, and we certainly have complaints about the iPhone for every year, no matter what changes are made. Yeah, it's all over the press. You never hear people writing articles saying, you know what, I hate this, that, and that about the iPad, unless the iPad is in the news for some other reason, such as flat sales or its 10th anniversary or something like that. That's what brings it to the fore. The problem is the rest of the time it sits in the background, and Apple looks at the stats and go, everybody loves this thing, so we don't need to change it. And the problem is that is not the right mindset. The Apple of old... And I'm thinking about that, you know, when they replace things like the iPod mini with the iPod nano is everybody loves this thing. How can we make it better? Yeah. If everyone loves this, if we took everything that people love about it, but started from scratch, what would we come up with? Apple's not been making those decisions for a long time. And really, I think they're now moving into a phase where they need to. You look at the Mac Pro as an example is, is, you know, everybody loved the Mac Pro. If we're going to start from scratch and make the best Mac Pro we can make, what would it look like? This is what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the iPad requires the same. And um, it would be really good if they kind of rethought the whole system. The hardware is probably the hardware. The hardware is already 
some of the finest computing hardware in yeah, the it's industry. Not, it's not a hardware issue. It's a yeah, software they've issue. They've got the best screens. They've got the best processors. Yeah, they've no got, question. you know, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, no I one was picks thinking, up a new iPad and goes, man, this thing is kind of clunky and slow. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. it's not. No, it's, and, and let's face it, modern, modern iPads, the iPad Pros are faster than the laptops we have today. Yeah. So it's not the hardware, but it, the software needs to be, you know, if we were to do this from scratch and yet retain everything that, people love about the ipad what would it look like i hope they go that way i really really do but i say that tinged with regret and concern because don't screw apple's, it up yeah well yeah apple's not exactly hitting out of the park <coughs> in terms of software reliability no. and at the moment no so we do <coughs> want me. to uh, wrap this episode up we've got two more things to talk about uh number one uh the last time we did tech fan we were doing our uh, wish.com thing Mm-hmm. And we were laughing about the lumens. Remember that? The lights? And it had so yeah. many lumens. So John Nemo sent us a link. And yeah. uh, I thought this was kind of funny. How many lumens yeah. is the sun? Well, there's 10,000 lumens per square foot of sun. That makes around 684 with about 25 zeros after it, lumens in total. <laughs> yeah, because the sun's very big. It, yes, and it's very Very, bright. very big. Uh, did you see the close-ups they did? This the telescope got. It's, it's amazing. Oh. I, mean, I mean, it looks kind of like a special effect. It does. This is, this is what it's really like, and yeah. it just kind of boggles the mind. And each think, one of those little things that you see is about the size of Texas. <laughs> exactly. The, I think that's the difficulty is is when you see pictures like that, what you don't get because it's just the sun in space, you don't get the scale. Yeah, you don't get the scale. Yeah. It's so big you can't imagine it. Yeah, your brain and, and, doesn't work. And on we that scale. Get, you know, even that, even the, the uh, they're sending a satellite up next week to um, improve solar observatories, and there's another one that's already on the way to the sun. Yeah. Yeah. And the shielding, even though it's not going to get, it, I, I think it's about getting about as close as Mercury. Yep. The shielding they have to put on that to even get that close to the sun, which is not terribly close, as you might imagine, is immense because the radiation, the heat, the yeah, it's amazing. Uh, energy is just so incredibly large. Um, yeah, but so, it, it kind of humbles you when you see stuff. It like is. That. Thanks very much, yeah. John, for sending that in. We really exactly, enjoyed yeah. That. And and you know, remember the sun. Our sun is an ordinary, ordinary, unprepossessing yes star of which there it's, are literally billions yes, in the galaxy. Ours is very unremarkable. Yeah, and we yeah. don't know anything about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, finally. Your feedback, people. Uh, David and I would really appreciate some feedback on the show. This one or Geeks Pub. Uh, send us an email, show at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, we thrive on your feedback. So if you got a few minutes, send us an email. Um, you know, even if it's just kick us an email, let, let us know where in the world you live. We'd love that, too. Uh, David, I will see you next week with a special episode of Geeks Geeks Pub, you're driving to the pub and something kind of special. I well, yeah, it won't be actually. It will be just after we do Geeks Pub. Oh, next okay. Week. But um, <coughs> yes, I I have a, a, a test drive of a brand new Porsche for 48 hours. Yes, so, he's turning um, 50. <laughs> in fact, I, I mentioned this to my wife that I'd had, had this opportunity, uh, and she said, "She said, but you just bought a new car." I said, this car is £70,000. I will not be buying one. Yeah. But of course, and you'll, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you're an expert at recognizing this, Tim, when you have people come into your car showroom. I'm one of those guys who has no intention of buying, but I still want to try it out. Yeah. 
I, um, I sniffed those out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we, I'm, we've I'm got the new of- Supra. That's a um, zero to sixty in four second car. It sits yeah. literally right outside my office. It's on the showroom floor. We've only got yeah. the one, and almost everybody who comes in and they're kind of interested in driving it is uh, older than me. Yeah. And uh, well, let's face it, you have to you have to have lived a certain. Most people have to have lived a certain amount of life to be able to have the financial backing to buy those more expensive cars. Yes, but the people that are looking at buying it don't. I, well, they're not going to a and b. They couldn't handle it even if they did. Well, that, that, that's exactly it. You want, fact, you want, I, you, I'm sorry, sir. You want to commit suicide? Yes. Just turn off the traction, traction know, control I, and nail it. There you go. I, uh, I have to have a, sh- a half-hour session when I pick this vehicle up where I'm kind of taken through it. And normally normally you do that. It's like, well, here's how you turn the wipers. Here's how you turn the lights. It's like blah, blah, blah. But this one I'm going to be paying attention because yeah, I yes. do not want to, to have an accident in this car. No, we've already been down that road, David. But I, I well, if, indeed. In fact, I better not mention that to the uh, to the Porsche dealer. Yeah, probably. I will. Probably I will thing. be reporting back on this car in the future, and uh, yeah, might do some extra content related to that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. My my funny thing is people will look at seventy two year old guy, and he's like, "Oh, I'd buy one of these, except it's not a stick shift." Dude, you couldn't shift this fast enough. To, are you kidding me? That it better be an automatic, or it's going to be yeah, you're going right. to be not, dumping not that clutch that, off. The, and, I understand the purist like a stick shift, sure. and you know what? But not I, in a four second car. Yeah, and my my uh, my my Mazda CX three. I love the stick shift. In it. It's one of my favorite things sure. about it because it's a short throw, very yeah. positive action thing. Absolutely, like clutch. It's lovely. Yeah, but you're yeah. not in a zero to sixty in four second exactly. car. Yeah, and you know what? The a modern computer controlled automatic or semi automatic yeah. whatever it knows how to shift far better than you do i mean it's wah 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 yeah i'm like dude unless you're a professional race car driver you're going to be at 8000 rpms in first gear in 1 second what, you can't shift this thing fast enough give me a break no, it's so again feedback people we really do want to hear from you the uh, the show at techfanpodcast.com uh, Tech Fan Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Send us feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If you got any subjects you'd like us to cover, let us know. Of course, we are opening up Geeks Fan a little bit to you guys. If you want to join us on a Geeks Fan or maybe even a Tech Fan, we can. Did I say Geeks Fan? You said Geeks, geeks Fan. Yep. Geek, I, and I was waiting for you to say Text Pub. <laughs> text Pub and yeah. Uh, pub Fan. Yeah. No, that's a different show. Mm-hmm. I'll see you next week, David. See you then. Bye.